Hey, this is Jacob Bergai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. Family, family matters. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but leave it to Beaver has left. Mayberry is a distant memory, and the Waltons have said goodnight. The Brady Bunch has left the building. The little house we live in is no longer resembling the one on the prairie. We have moved from father knows best to we aren't sure if dad knows anything. The full house isn't full of love anymore. The day we live in is different. The culture has changed. It's the day of the Kardashians. It's the day of the real housewives of whatever city. It's the day of the Simpsons and the family guy and the modern family has been our example of what family should look like. This modern age has impacted and shaped our families And as we are seeing now, the goal of this modern age is not really to shape and to put values in our family, but it's really to redefine family. Hmm? Unfortunately, we, we can never go back to yesterday. So we must learn to deal with today and tomorrow. And even though we live in this modern age, I believe, someone say, I believe, that there are still some old truths some principles and values for today's family that we need to go back to. Can I get an amen? Amen. So our main thought for the next four weeks is simply this. Family matters to God, therefore God should matter to family. Can you say that with me? Family matters to God, therefore God should matter to family. The truth is, the condition of days, today's family can be summarized in four words, all starting with D. Distracted, divided, disrespectful, and dysfunctional. Hmm? Let's talk about them for a minute. Distracted, we no longer have to raise our kids, really. We just tell little Johnny, take the phone or the iPad and go into the room. And their little Johnny sits for three to four, five, six, seven hours while we're doing life without little Johnny. The screen is raising him. The screen is raising him. It does all the work. It it puts all the values in him. We are distracted. Our schedules keep us so busy that we just really don't have time to deal with issues and problems in our home. Who has time to talk to our kids about their bad attitude? at school? Who has time to talk to our spouses about the problems and the tension in the home because our schedules keep us so occupied that we don't deal with the core issues? We don't deal with it. Someone say distracted. Hmm. Most homes are like passing ships. 
We each have our own room, our own space, and we go that way and we go do our own thing. Hmm? Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And that describes the modern family. Hmm? Listen, friends. If you're not excited about your reality, you will do something to avoid it. You will either medicate it. Hear me. If you didn't come to church for anything, just grab this and run. If you are not excited about your current reality, you will do anything and everything to avoid it. You will either medicate it. You will, you will either you know, uh, uh, live in someone else's reality. You will not come home. You will lock yourself in a room because you hate your current reality. The family has been distracted. Number two, the family has been divided. If mom and dad can't agree on things, then why would the kids agree on anything? My Lord, mealtime is the most divided time because we don't sit together anymore, do we? We're in our separate rooms. We're on the couch. Hmm? Then we fight over what's to eat. I know you don't do it in your house, but my house does. There's about three or four meals that everybody agrees on. Other than that, we're fighting about what's in front of us, right? Let's just be real in here today, okay? We're not here to be fake and act like we got it all together. Praise the Lord, brother. Our family's perfect. No, it ain't. Your family's jacked up. It's jacked up. You're the crazy uncle. Come on. Huh? And Mark chapter 3, verse 25 says, a house divided against itself is a house that will not be able to stand. I love the NLT. It says a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So we have this division. We have this, this uh, distraction. We have this division. And then we have this dis- disrespect. In some families, I think the kids run the show. I think the kids are running things. Uh, they put out words like my old man, my old lady. Listen, first of all, if I ever said that as a kid, there would be no timeout. There would simply be knocked out. Mom and dad didn't believe in timeout. They believed in knocked out. But dad told me a few weeks ago, man, everybody's going to think that I beat you growing up. I said, well, you did, dad. <laughs> you should go to prison for that. <laughs> Can't do that nowadays. They block you up. <laughs> it's like, just timeout, Johnny. No Xbox for the next five minutes. Simmer, Cody. You're getting a little attitude. Simmer, just simmer a little bit. It's okay. Yeah, we don't believe in timeout. We believe in knocked out. Edward, the Duke of Windsor, quoted this. The thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey the children. Sila, think on that. I'm not thinking about what I should say next. I'm letting you to let that download in your spirit real quick. Dysfunctional is the last one, and DYS and dysfunctional, that DIS means dangerous. So it means dangerously functioning. So we have some dysfunctional homes and family. James 3.16 says, for where there is jealousy and self-ambition, where that exists, there will be disorder and every evil practice. 
Oh, you wonder why the devil's all up in your home? Because there's dysfunction, dangerously functioning as a family unit. We open the door to the enemy when we have jealousy and pride in our homes, when, when fathers don't lead and they just say, this home is all about me, we open the door for pride. Huh? When husband and wife don't work things out, we open that door for jealousy to come in. Most families that find themselves relating to these four D's, and may I insert most of us, can relate to these four D's. You may not be in all four of them, but you can honestly say that some place in your life, your family has been in disarray. Right? Your family has been dysfunctional. Your family has been disrespectful. Your family has been divided. Your family has been distracted. And you never planned on it being this way, but the reality is, is this. When God is more of an option for our families than a priority, we find our homes in disarray. Can't get no help up in this Presbyterian church. A few weeks ago, I was Father Jacob. I've moved on. Hit your neighbor and say, don't get offended. It's all good. It's all good. Family matters to God. Therefore, God should matter to families. Now, as we navigate through the word of God, we can find many stories about the family unit and how God put priority on it. Today, we're going to go into the life of a man named Nehemiah. Someone say Nehemiah. Nehemiah said this and Chapter 4, verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Hopefully only one wife. Praise God. Some guy said, man, I want to go back to the days of Solomon. He had 400 wives, 300 concubines. No, I don't because I can only handle the one wife God gave me. (laughs) The thought of multiple wives flips me out. I'm jumping off a bridge, folks. Y'all are crazy. I don't know how Solomon did that. He said, he said, he said, remember to fight. Someone say fight for your families. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. We find that in the book of Nehemiah, if we rewind just three more chapters into Nehemiah chapter 1, we find Nehemiah is currently working for the king of Persia. He is actually the cupbearer, the Bible says. He is the right hand to the king of Persia. He is no longer in Jerusalem, his hometown. He, being a Jew, he is not there. And all of a sudden, he gets this heartbreaking news that Jerusalem and its walls and the city have been destroyed. Someone say destroyed. They've been destroyed. And understand this, that most of Nehemiah's family and his fellow Jews had, had uh, returned from captivity and started to come back to Jerusalem to make their home. They were under King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon for 70 years. Some will say 70 years. They say 25 years represents a generation. So we can safely say that there were three generations represented in exile and bondage under King Nebuchadnezzar. Are you with me so far? So here is Nehemiah, and he, 
hears the news and something stirs within him for his family. Something stirs within him for his cousins and his uncles and his, and all his aunts. And, and he says, you know what? I, I got to do something about my city. I got to do something about my family. They just returned from 70 years of bondage. And when they get to their home in Jerusalem, The walls are torn down. There's rubbish everywhere. Their homes are destroyed. And they have nothing but rubbish. A holy indignation rises up within Nehemiah. And he had the favor of the king of Persia because he was his personal assistant. And so he goes to the king and he says, listen, I I need to go. I need you to excuse me and I need to go take care of my family. Someone say, take care of your family. Now here's Nehemiah. He has the daring yet awesome task of restoring these walls and these homes, but he was surrounded by opposition and unbelief. On top of that, he lacked the resources and the supporters to rebuild these walls. So what does Nehemiah do when he finds himself with rubbish all around him, his family divided, his family distracted, his family dysfunctional? The first thing the Bible says that Nehemiah does is he goes to the Lord, his God, in prayer. May I insert that the first thing you need to do is go to God in prayer when the walls of your family have been destroyed. You don't need to go to Oprah. You don't need to go to Dr. Phil. Come on now. You need to go to your God and you need to hit your knees like Nehemiah and get a word from God for your family. I didn't come to preach, but I feel a little help coming on me. Come on now. I will. Thank you. When When I do that with the head, you know it's hitting me. So he goes to God through prayer and fasting to get a plan. See, you got to get a plan, husbands. Single moms, you're the head of the house. If there's not a father in the house, you got to get a plan. Grandmas and grandpas raising their grandkids, you got to get a plan. You're the, you're the spiritual head of the home. You got to get a plan when the devil comes in and destroys your walls and your homes. He got a plan and God speaks to him and tells him, here's what I want you to do, knee. We're going to call him knee for short. Yo, knee, I need you to take the head of the house. Someone say the head of the house. The fathers. And I need you to put them in front of their houses and have each of them and their sons begin to repair everything that's around their house first. Someone say first things first. Take care of your house first before you help a neighbor. Before you're trying to bring restoration and spiritual help and, and, and emotional healing to another house, why don't you take care of your house first? Oh, I can't get no help. It's all right. It's coming. It's coming. Watch. It's going to hit you. You're going to run like the Holy Ghost hit you in a minute. And, 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 and he says, take the head of the house and have their sons come out, and I want you to repair everything around your house, and whatever section of the wall is by your house, the walls of Jerusalem, remember the city, most of you know, but if you don't know, 
it, it, it was surrounded by walls and inside the city were the homes and inside were the businesses. And, and he said, every section of that wall, these walls were huge. Dad and I have been there. We walked the, in that city of Jerusalem and just the walls, just, I don't know how many feet, but you could drive cars on top of it, multiple lanes of cars on top of these walls. And he said, I want you to repair your home and I want you to repair the walls that are around your home. Are you with me so far? And he told him two very important things, which I want to dial in on today, and it's this. He said, there are two things I need you to do. So here's Nehemiah. He's talking to the crew. He's got thousands of people who've been in bondage for 70 years. Their grandfathers, their their parents just got set free, and here they come, and they have to rebuild. What do you do when you feel like your family doesn't get a break? Oh, can I talk to somebody by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit right now? God has not forgot your family. You may have thought people forgot your family, but God has not forgot your family. You keep standing, and you keep declaring the word of God for your family. Because the word works for those who work the word. The word never fails. People will fail you, but the word will never fail you. That's for somebody today. And he said, take two things, two things I need you to do, two things. He's out here, he's talking. I got a word from God, folks. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. He says, with one hand, we're going to work. We're going to work to rebuild these walls. But he said, with the other hand, oh, we ain't going to work. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to work, and we're going to fight. We're going to work, and we're going to fight. Now, why did he tell him we're going to fight? Well, they had some enemies. And can I tell you, family, you got some enemies. If the devil can destroy a family, he impacts a church. He impacts a heritage. He impacts the cycle of three generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If he can get you divided, if he can get you in divorce court, then he impacts three generations. If he can kill off the generation, then it'll be like Joshua, where the Bible says there arose another generation that did not know the Lord, nor the works that he did for Israel. What happened was the devil got in with Joshua and Moses, and they didn't pass it down to the next generation. So therefore, there was a generational gap of young people and teenagers and children who did not know the Lord. What did they turn to then? They turned to their idols, the Bible says. So Nehemiah said, I need you to to work. And I need you to fight. Can I tell you that the enemy doesn't take Labor Day off? Can I tell you he hates you and your family? Can I tell you the number one thing he would love to do is to divide you and your wife? You may not have kids in here. That doesn't matter. He wants to divide you. You may be grandparents. You may be retired. Your kids are out of the house. He wants to divide you. He wants his, his purpose to steal, kill, and destroy the family unit. Nehemiah said, I need you to work, but don't be so foolish to think that when you're working, the enemy ain't trying to creep up behind you. The problem with a lot of us is 
we're working with this kind of sword. This is a sword my daughter got at a birthday party last night. And I asked her if I could use it. And she said, no, daddy, because you're going to pop it. And I said, well, you flowing in the prophetic today, honey. How'd you know? Because I was going to show you, you know, that this sword really doesn't do anything. Right? I was going to pop it and destroy it. You can use your imagination. I can't pop it. She told me I could only use it if I wasn't going to pop it. But the problem is with a lot of us, we're running around trying to fight the devil with a balloon sword. Right, right, right. And the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. What does that mean? Translation. You can't fight the devil with the things of this world. you got to fight the devil with God's power. But some of us are walking around taking self-help books. Come on, we're, we're seeing something on Dr. Phil. We're trying to fight the devil with it. Come on. We're trying to fight the devil with the wisdom from our coworkers. And God said, no, 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 no. You got to take the weapons, the weapon of the word of God to fight for your family. Some of us walking around and we ain't doing no good at the devil. We're hitting him. He's laughing. <laughs> That's funny. Look at them. They, 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 they think... They think that going to church is making them spiritual. They think, they think, (laughs) they ain't got nothing on me. They think that we can, that at the end, it's all just going to work out. They, They think we don't have to have spiritual principles in our home. And the devil's laughing. The devil's coming to our families. But Nehemiah said, I need you to do two things. I need you to work and fight. The title of my message today is this. You got to fight for your right. Not to party. My millennials got it. The rest of y'all are like, what's that? If I do cut myself, Dr. Matt, you help me. I know some of you on the front row. Wes is like, yo, I wore shorts today. Chill out, bro. This is my brother's buck knife, you know you got to fight for your right because family matters. Someone say family matters. Amen. We're going to fight to love God in our family, number one. I said we're going to fight to love God in our family. We're going to fight. It's always a fight to do what's right, isn't it? I don't know about you, but... It seems so convenient of the enemy to always distract us on Saturday night or Sunday morning, right? What? He don't want you and your family in this house. Are you crazy? He don't want you hearing the truth of God's word. He don't want your kids in there learning about a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to try to keep you from this place. But we got to fight to love God in our families. We got to fight it. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We're loving God not only for ourselves, but so we can love our kids and our spouses. I'm going to tell you this. I'll speak for me. I'll speak for me. When I start to veer off from my relationship with God, I don't love my kids And I don't love my spouse the way I should, according to God's word. Let's be real. I'm impatient. Come on now. 
I'm cutting people off, usually when I'm driving. Pray for me. Everyday struggle requires the everyday Savior. Come on now. But I'm not fun to be around. I know none of you have bad attitudes. You guys are like so perfect. But I'll preach to myself. When I have my relationship with Christ isn't as solid, isn't as stable, isn't as consistent. I find myself having trouble loving others and loving myself. Hmm. I ran across these stats that represent this. Kids who have become active followers for Christ as adults. And they said this. If mom and dad went to church, then 72% of kids will go to church as adults. Watch this. If only mom went to church, only 15% of kids will go to church as adults. This next one blows my mind. If dad only went to church, 55% of kids went to church when they were adults. If neither mom or dad went to church, then only 6% of kids will go to church and have a relationship with Christ when they are adults. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us a lot. Dads, you're important. Dads, you're leading the spiritual charge for your family. Well, I just, I don't know the Bible. You don't need to know the Bible to lead the spiritual charge for your family. You just got to love God. You just got to love God. When the love of God is in your heart, it answers everything. 1 Corinthians 13, love is the answer. You can love your wife, you can love your kids the way Christ loves the church. Fathers, you should provide financially for your family. You should provide emotionally. You should provide time for your family. But you should also provide a spiritual covering for your family. I thank God that my parents provided that spiritual covering. We may not have been able to go on all the vacations and Disney and all that stuff, but they provided a spiritual covering that is now impacting the third generation. God always works in three generations. Hmm? Fight for your family. Family is not an important thing. Family is everything. Fight for your family. Fight for your family. Well, 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 how long do I need to fight? Well, very interesting that it took 52 days to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Say 52. There were 52 weeks in a year. How long should you fight? 52 weeks out of the year. 52 weeks out of the year. Man, I just want to take a break. Oh, yeah? The devil ain't taking no break. No, no, he, he don't take vacations. No, no, no. He, he, he's fighting for your family. What are you doing? Joshua 24, 15 says this, but if serving the Lord seems unreasonable to you, this is Joshua speaking to a bunch of people who were worshiping idols, says this, but if serving the Lord seems unreasonable to you, then choose you for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living in now, but as for me, someone say, but as for me, me. and my household, household. we will serve the Lord. 
we will serve the Lord. Joshua made his choice for his home. Fathers, single moms, grandparents raising kids, you and only you can make the choice for your home. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? Whoever we serve gets the priority. Whatever we value the most gets our time. Don't tell me you value God in his house when it's only an option for you and not a priority. It's only when it's convenient for you. When everything else goes good that week, then we go to God's house. No, it's got to be a, I choose for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He, choose for his house, he chose for his household to serve God. A choice that Joshua made was a choice against idolatry. And regardless of the choices of others, Joshua knew which way to lead his family. Joshua chose God over idolatry. You say, man, thank God we don't have idols nowadays that we worship. <laughs> oh, man. I don't mean to get on my soapbox, whatever that is. Never figured that out. What is a soapbox? I'm not sure, but I'll get on it. Oh, we have idols, don't we? We make our job our idol, right? Yeah, we, 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 we want to work, work, work to keep up with the Joneses so our kids have the right clothes and we live in the right house and we drive the right cars because we're spending money that we don't have to impress people that we don't even know. <laughs> oh, we have idols. Our cars are idols. Some of us spend more time worshiping at the feet of our car than we do at the feet of our Savior. Oh, we have idols. We have idols. Some of our idols are each other. Yeah, we, we love our spouse and our kids more than we love God, and it's not the proper order. God first. Spouse, family, others. Oh, we have idols. Yeah, our businesses can become an idol. Our money can become an idol. Because we feel like we have power when we have money, don't we? We feel like money solves everything. But I'm here to tell you, money will never help your young child to know about the goodness and the grace and the forgiveness of God. No, no. Joshua said, it's for me and my house. We're going to fight to love God. Someone say fight, fight. to love God. The challenges of Joshua's days are no less than those we live among today. We have to choose and make a choice to live according to God's design for our homes and our families. Question, is Christ the head of your home? Or is he the toe of your home? Or do you cover him up? Do you cover him up? Do you you, uh, not let others see? See, I think a lot of the times we make him the toe of our home instead of the head. The head is always seen. You don't always see my toes. You don't want to see my toes. Just say, I don't want to see your toes. You say, well, I got a pedicure, all this stuff. I, I don't really care. I don't like toes. I don't like it. My toes are weird. My second one is longer than my big toe. It's freaky. I can pick up things with my two toes. I can do tricks with it. My kids make fun of me. That's why I don't show anybody my toes. If my kids make fun of me, you go make fun of me. <laughs> but, but, but is Christ the head or is he something we just cover up? Well, when it's convenient, we serve God. When it's convenient, we pray with our kids. Oh, it's never convenient to pray with my kids every night when I tuck them in for bed. 
There's always something that I have to do. There's always a text that I need to reply to, a call I need to take. There's always something, but I'm reminded that, that I am investing in the spiritual future of my children. And I'm covering them. I'm fighting for them. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over their rest. They're having, some of my kids having nightmares lately. And I'll begin to pray and plead the blood of Jesus over them. And my daughter, Faith, she's crying before she goes to bed because she's so scared of the nightmares she's having. Well, daddy's going to fight. Mama's going to fight against those nightmares coming. Oh, and if you had any sense, you would fight for your kids. Fight to love God. Amen? Number two, let's wrap this up. We are going to have to work to lead our family. We're going to have to work. Someone say work. Work. You're going to have to work to lead your family. So question, church, are you leading your children or are your children leading you? Listen, because the parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependency away from them until it rests solely on God. That was good. That's okay, I liked it. I worked hard on that all week. Didn't get the reaction I thought. It's all good. The parent's priority, we're going to try again, take two. We're going to try again. The parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependency away from them until it rests solely on God. Yeah. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road traveling in your car on vacation. And when you are going to bed. Oh, wow. And when you are getting up, we're to repeat God's commandments. We're to repeat to our children, God is good. You're going to do all right on that test. Don't you dare give up in that sport. No, no, no. We we don't quit in our house. You're going to endure to the end. No, no. God is good. There's a bad devil, but God is always good. There's a bad devil, but God is always good. He's your provider. Your identity is in Christ. We're to talk about them. It said repeat them again and again. You know, kids need repetition. Some of you teachers know. Adults need repetition. I say the same thing a hundred different ways, and y'all don't even know it most of the time. (laughs) Y'all don't even know it. It's all good. We need repetition. We need reminded. Why? Because this world is coming at us like machine gun bullets, the devil, putting all these thoughts. TV, putting all these thoughts. Social media, putting all these thoughts. We need to remind ourselves, but we need to remind our kids who they are in Christ. That they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. We need to work to lead our family. It's going to take work. It's not going to take laying on the couch watching TV shows for five hours straight, fathers. Well, I just, I work, I work this week. I'm tired. We're all tired. (laughs) We're all tired. Most of us did work this week. Hmm? It's going to take work to lead our families. Proverbs 22, 6, it says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. That word train means to initiate, to dedicate, or to train. Initiate, dedicate, initiate, dedicate. 
So our role as the spiritual covering, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, single moms, single fathers, train up a child, initiate or dedicate yourselves to the way that child should go according to God's word. And when that child is old, he or she will not depart from it. That's the promise you have. Now, let me just insert this. For somebody who trained up their child and they're far from God, can I tell you that they're going to come back? Can I tell you that I came back? Can I tell you I was a prodigal son who returned to his father's house because of a mom and dad who dedicated, who initiated the ways of God in my life? I'll never forget it. I would always hear their words. I would always hear the scriptures running through my head. Even when I was high as a kite, I would hear God's word going through my head. Even when I was wasted, I would hear God's word. It freaked me out. You talk about a buzzkill, folks. That's a buzzkill. Huh? I'm trying to get turned up and I can't because I'm thinking about what dad and mom said all growing up. That you're different. You're cold. You're not like the other kids. You can't go where they go. You can't do what they do. There's a call of God on your life. You're called to serve God all the days of your life. Train, train. Proverbs talks so much about this. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, train them to manage God's money. Proverbs 13, 20, train them to carefully select their friends. Proverbs 4, 24, train them to watch their words. Proverbs 6 and 6 says, train them to be responsible. Proverbs 23, 7, train them to guard their minds. Proverbs eleven twenty five train them to be generous. Proverbs 1, 7, train them to fear God. And on and on and on and on and on and on. There's 30 books in Proverbs, right? Chapters, rather. One for each day. We should go to that book each day and Learn to train our kids and our family in the way they should go. Stand with me this morning. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If If you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.